Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to another edition of Healthy Happy Hour. I am Joseph Ward, your host, and uh, first I want to say uh, thank you and a big shout out to our team director, Mr. Matias Sweet, for all the contributions that he's given to the Neighborhood Medical Center and to this podcast. He go- he's going to be joining us soon, but also give a big thank you and a shout out to our CEO, Ms. Janae Freeman for the support that she's given us in our podcast platforms over the past year and a half now. Um, Of course, you know, this Healthy Happy Hour, this is what we do once a month in Healthy Happy Hour. We use this to make sure we connect our community members with the resources and the people in our community who can help our community members get the resources they need, get the health care they need, get the health information they need, or any other information that they need. We just try to use our platforms to the best of our abilities to make sure that the people in our community don't go without. Um, Remember our healthy happy hour happens every third Thursday of every month. So this will be our healthy happy hour for this month. So thank you for joining us. Um, And as I said, Matias will be joining us soon. So this week on healthy happy hour, we have Dr. Amit Jan and Dr. Jane is a board certified medical oncologist and hematologist at Tallahassee Memorial Healthcare. He earned his medical degree from All India Institute of Medicine, of Medical Science in New Delhi, India, before completing residency at the University of Iowa and fellowship at Indiana University School of Medicine. Dr. Jane practices at TMH Physicians Partners Cancer and Hematology and is board certified in medical oncology and hematology. Dr. Jan chose to become a physician because he felt it was one of the most humane professions in which he could positively affect many lives. So once again, well, I'd like to welcome everybody in the virtual world. Put your hands together for Dr. Amit Jan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here with us. Of course. Thank you, Mr. Ward. Thank you for the very nice introduction. So I'm really happy and honored to be here. Um, as you said, um, you know, I practice hematology and medical oncology at Tallahassee Memorial Healthcare um, since uh, 2012. So I've been here in Tallahassee almost 10 years. And, uh, um, you know, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, as we know, mm-hmm. October um, has been Breast Cancer Awareness Month. You'll see all the pink uh, decoration and uh, people have their placards in their yards these days. Yes. And- just a couple of years ago, we were doing all sorts of races and runs and galas to raise money you know, for um, all the women who are some men who have gone through or going through breast cancer diagnosis treatment. And as one can imagine, getting a phone call um, about there is something um, wrong in the mammogram is never a very uh, uh, pleasant conversation for uh-huh. anyone to go through. But before we even get into that, I mean, the key thing with uh, breast cancer and many other cancers is screening. You know, as uh, we know, cancer caught early is always easier to treat and um, easier to remove and can have a lot better outcome in the long run. So Mm -hmm. there is a screening protocols. There is mammography that is offered at Tallahassee Memorial Hospital and uh, um, at many other facilities in town. And even women who sometimes feel they do not have a pair source or they're um, underinsured or uninsured, there are a lot of different um, sources and um, facilities available that we help them in getting their mammograms done. Okay. So the key thing is, of course, to you know encourage women, aware of them that breast cancer can affect anybody and everybody. 
um, statistically, one in almost eight women in the United States will have breast cancer at some point in her life. So that's pretty huge numbers. You know, right. hundreds of thousands of women diagnosed every year with breast cancer. Um, the breast cancer used to be a, a death sentence a few decades ago, and we have come you know long ways in treating breast cancer. Uh, the surgeries used to be catastrophic, and women will have scars they will carry all throughout their lives. And we have improvised on that. And with modern technology, we're able to catch cancers that are so small that one cannot even feel them with their naked hands. Right. And for the mammography, um, ultrasound, MRI, other such x-rays, investigations come in place to catch mammograms before, uh, catch a breast cancer before it's too big. Some women have strong family histories, you know, their mothers or sister, aunts, um, grandmothers with breast cancer. We encourage them to uh, talk to their primary care providers. And uh, we um, definitely have the neighborhood medical center and facilities that encourage those women to get screened. Once they do have um, a screening mammogram, then if there is something that's discovered by the radiologist, that leads to the next step. So there's a little process in there. Of course, the first thing is to talk to their doctor or right. their provider and get the mammogram done. Next step is usually to wait for the results. So there's a little bit of a week to 10 days, sometimes waiting period to get the results. But nobody wants to get that phone call, but if they do get a call saying something was not looking right, something looked different, then sometimes they're called back to get some more pictures taken. So there is still, there is not a diagnosis made at that time. There's still investigations ongoing. There are some mammograms and some women have abnormal um, things, findings in the mammogram, but not everything turns into a breast cancer. So I don't like, you know, women to always worry. Every abnormal mammogram means bad news. Right. But certainly it does need to be followed through and not get afraid and scared. You know, there is, there is um, cancer navigation services available at and other places that can help guide the women to what the next step is and what should they do. So usually if there is an abnormal mammogram, that second step leads to um, getting some more dedicated pictures to the area where there was an abnormality. And if there is still confirmation that there is something abnormal, then a biopsy is often recommended. So it's a needle biopsy often done by the radiologist themselves and women are right. brought their uh, mammography place and um, it's an outpatient procedure so it's basically getting a small sample from the area of abnormality to see if this is cancer or not at that point if the diagnosis is made then the biopsy slides are referred over to a pathologist so there's a whole team of doctors that are involved in getting to the diagnosis and and treatment once the pathologist reviews those slides under the microscope they label it as if there was cancer or no cancer. And then a referral is usually made to a surgeon or to a medical oncologist like myself. Okay. We have a good long talk with those women. We um, have them come to our cancer center. We talked about what this diagnosis means, what are the treatment options and um, what can we expect? So there's definitely this um, a few days to a few weeks of a, a learning process and, and getting to the point of knowing that woman has breast cancer. It's definitely a very scary time for all women. And, you know, like I said earlier, we have a lot of resources to help guide those women. What do we do from here and how we're going to approach that?
breast cancer um, is not one disease anymore. We have such advanced um, research and technology and um, new science that distinguishes different kinds of breast cancer. Some breast cancers can be very easily treated with a simple surgery called lumpectomy in which they do not have a lot of cosmetic disfigurement, oftentimes done outpatient, and they're able to resume their normal activities sometimes within three to five days. Some women require radiation treatments after their surgeries, some women do not. So everybody's treatment protocol is very different and can be dependent on the age of the women, the, um, the stage of the cancer. We certainly treat everybody the same, you know, it does not matter their socioeconomic background or their insurance status, we give our treatment plan. And again, we, we work with them in, in terms of how, how things are get paid. You know, all women are afraid are we're going to lose you know, work and time and how are things going to get reimbursed. But there are resources to help women. And I always encourage women to at least seek those resources rather than shy away from it. Yes. So I, I have a question and just just to make sure I understand as far as the screening process. So for um, for the actual screening of breast cancer and because you mentioned taking the pictures and these the the pictures are taken during the mammogram correct correct okay and so is is that the primary way of screening or are there other ways of screening that you that would happen once a woman come in um let's say if she has no idea she's just doing a regular screening are there other ways or if something is found because you mentioned the biopsy so that will be further testing that will be um correct that well, you would use right for most women uh, a mammogram is the most common screening tool okay. in the United states in in um in uh, countries outside of the united states where the mammograms are not readily available there are more crude methods like self-examination of the breast by women so that's something they are taught from earlier ages to just always look for a lump, you know, when you're taking a shower once a month to feel for anything that feels abnormal. And also when they go see their primary doctors, they're also, they get examination done. So there's this physical examination method of screening also, but a lot of breast cancers can be missed on that. And right. like a mammograms advantages, it catches a cancer before it can become palpable before it can be felt by the woman or her doctor. So for 99% of the cases, mammogram, it's called the screening mammograms, and there are several different kinds of them. There is some digital, there is 3D, um, there's pros and cons and different advantages, but screening mammogram is usually the most common method in the United States to screen for breast cancers. Okay. All right, that makes sense. So, um, and for most women currently, the guidelines say age 40 and above, they should start doing a screening mammography or mammogram unless they have a very strong family history. Like I mentioned, if they had an immediate female in their family, mother, daughter, sister had breast cancer, then they may even have to start it even earlier than the age of 40. Now, there's also some rare genetic diseases in which a, a gene is passed from family to family and those women are at a very high risk for breast cancer and you might have heard of the uh, the famous story of angelina jolie um, from hollywood she found 
um, you know, made that very um, well-known, uh, bless her heart, that she knew before she was diagnosed with cancer uh -huh. that as a gene from her family that increases her risk of breast cancer as high as 60, 70%. So that's almost a odds are that she was going to get breast cancer at some point in her life. So those women are have to have a discussion with the genetics people. There is a geneticist and the genetic counseling to understand one's risk. Right. For most women, they have average risk, which is about one in eight to one in 10. So except those cases, you know, we do the mammographic screening and the biopsy, um, like I said, and diagnosis, and then talking about different treatment options. So again, the, the most common surgery for, for breast cancer that used to be a complete removal of the breast mm -hmm. and mastectomy. It's a very drastic surgery. Women have a big scar. There is a lot of um, long-term issues. There is um, always this stigma of not having a breast volume, and, and we have come long ways, you know, from that to do smaller surgeries that are just as efficient, that keeps the breast cancer risk still low for future. So, you know, what treatments they're going to need, not all women will need the mastectomy. Some can spare and do a much smaller surgery. What we do here at the medical oncology, we treat breast cancers with medicine. So after the women have met through the surgeons, they, they meet with sometimes radiation doctors, and then they are referred over to uh, one of the medical oncologists like myself, and we talked about different treatment options, depending on, again, each individual woman's stage of the cancer or age, and there are chemotherapy medicines that are out there that are needed mm -hmm. for women. There are anti-estrogen hormonal medicines that are pills, not one um, bookcase, you know, followed for all women, so everybody's case is very different. We, we definitely want to, you know, encourage younger women and women of color tend to have a higher a risk of more aggressive cancer. So there have been studies saying um, black women and Hispanic women at the same ages tend to have more aggressive cancers. At the same ages of 45, a Caucasian women and a black woman may have a more aggressive cancer. So it's, it's, it's something that we're just learning about and that is, you know, really including um, all women um, to make sure that they get their mammographic screening done and um, make sure they stay on top of it. So a mammogram is often done once a year. So yes. yeah, remind them for their when their mammogram is due um, and they just need to go make an appointment, go get their mammogram done. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a simple procedure. There are no needles involved. It's pretty much like taking an x-ray, but x-rays of the breast and uh, it is a little bit uncomfortable as as men. We have not gone through and experienced that, but all right. women gone through it will will tell you that it's it's a it's a little bit discomfort for hopefully you know saving their lives and keeping them alive for a long long time for them and for their family members. So um, you know, starting with the mammogram screening, doing the biopsies if, if required, and one in eight women will have it. That means that many other women will not have it, but. You know, again, we encourage all of them to continue to do their mammograms at least until the age of 70 or 75. And um, cancers can be caught in different ages. The most common age that we see breast cancers is in the 60s. Um, so it's less common in the younger ages or very older ages, but that's an age that we see most commonly. 
Okay. And briefly talking about men can get breast cancer too. That risk is only one in a hundred. It's a much smaller risk. There is not routine mammogram recommended because the risk is low, but men should be aware of, you know, any lump in their chest and um, uh, they definitely should get that evaluated as well. Um, and again, men who have females in their family, so their mother or sister or daughter, if they were diagnosed with breast cancer, um, they are at a higher risk family and a higher okay. risk. So um, that's, that's the screening process is the most critical and crucial because you cannot diagnose breast cancer until you do the screening. You know, so right. encouraging women in the community and awareing the, the, the purpose of the breast cancer awareness as the keyword is awareness to tell all women everybody is at risk and everybody should get tested, you know, just like they've talked about you know, for COVID vaccines and, and infections, you know, you, you, you may have better immunity or less immunity, but nobody can be spared. Everybody has somebody in their family that's been affected by this one way or the other. And, um, you know, watching a good healthy diet, doing um, physical fitness and exercise, all those things are helpful in keeping women healthy. We don't, um, we are not very aware of a lot of things women can do early on. So a lot of mm -hmm. times the question, what can I do to keep my breast cancer risk low? And there is no particular medicine or diet strategy or exercise strategy that has really proven that it will reduce a woman's risk of breast cancer ever in their lifetime. The key is right. to do the, the testing, the screening and catch it at an early stage. Gotcha. And uh, uh, our cancer center, we have uh, both medical oncology, radiation oncology, um, who do radiation treatments for the breast cancers. And we have a surgery team. We all work together. So we meet with the woman. We make sure all of her questions are answered. We have our social worker team and uh, cancer navigation services help navigate to the system. It can be very scary, very um, you know, upsetting to, to get a diagnosis of breast cancer, but I want the women in the community to know that we're here for them. You know, it's not just to raise awareness and put a pink tutu on and dance around alone. You know, we actually are there. We want to help. We want to make sure whatever services you need, you know, we, we're, we're happy to work with you and with their schedule um, so they can continue to function and, you know, do their day-to-day -day living, continue with their employment and taking care of their children and so forth yeah so i have a question um because you mentioned one in eight women will have breast cancer in their lifetime so during the time that breast cancer has been studied and treated has that number of one in eight has that is that like a progression because of the amount of breast cancer that is being found now or within this time of being able to find breast cancer have you noticed that number to increase or decrease over time? Well, it's kind of a it's it's kind of a complex question. So before um, the mammograms were done routinely, we were finding breast cancers at higher stages, but less in number, because okay. there are women that have a small breast cancer that even if you never find it, they may live a normal life and never feel it. Mm -hmm. So for a women with more aggressive or bigger breast cancers, that has decreased significantly. But that certainly does mean that we are catching somebody at the age of, say, 75, a small breast cancer that she may never have known and may have lived normal life without ever knowing about it. So there is right. the 
there's a pros and cons of you know saving the women who would have died from breast cancer. That number has significantly gone down. But there is a little truth to that, that the number of women diagnosed with breast cancer has gone up since we're doing the mammogram. So we're, we're catching them more. Um, and there is certain women that may not ever need the mammogram, but it's very hard to tell in the community who is okay not to be screened and who does. So there is certainly increase in number of mammograms. So there's increase in number of breast cancers that we have seen. Okay, all right, that makes sense. So, um, I mean, breast cancer, um, currently, if the breast cancer is caught in an early stage, like a stage one, even a stage two breast cancer, what it usually means, so different stages of breast cancer is depending on the, the size of the tumor, whether the cancer has spread to any parts of the body, whether it has spread to the lymph nodes or not. So most commonly, we are catching breast cancers that are stage one um, early stages. So those women, after all the appropriate treatments, have an excellent outcomes, and more than 90% of them live a normal life, 10 years or longer, breast cancer-free. So, you know, different, different stages of breast cancer, catching them early also means we can assure them that there is a very good chance that they're going to be breast cancer-free and living 10, 20 years or maybe even a normal lifetime. And something else may get them, but not breast cancer. And uh, so um, that's kind of with the staging of breast cancer. So uh, a lot of women ask us about, um, you know, if they have breast cancer, can they get it again? So most certainly, actually, some women who have one breast cancer are still at an increased risk for a future breast cancer. So mm -hmm. even having one breast cancer surgery does not mean they stop their mammograms. We recommend they continue to do their mammogram even more diligently so, you know, year after year, year after year. And um, definitely letting their family member, their daughter or sisters also know if they had breast cancer, it's, it's a good thing to share with the family members. You know, people are scared because again, there is a stigma. So I, I do want to, to take that myth out that all breast cancers are going to be um, bad and they're going to cause a big scar. Women will always remember that, that most of our women with early cancers, they forget they ever had cancer, you know, five years later, 10 years later, they, they, I mean, it's in the back of their mind. I'm sure they never forget something like that happening to them, but they, they go on to live on their normal business and, you know, back to being functional members in the society. And, um, um, and, Places like you guys as a neighborhood medical center, a bond clinic, even the Department of Health, you know, they are they're crucial in encouraging those women to get their screening then, get their testing done. And, you know, that's I want to thank you guys and the neighborhood medical center who who brings up a lot of women who are otherwise underprivileged and don't have the 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 health insurance and the means to get their mammograms done. They bring those women to encourage them to do their testing, catch them, um, and um, you know. Uh, catch it before it's too late. You know, like we said on all the cancers, catching it before it's too late to getting the mammogram screening is the most vital thing. You know, raising money and, and funds is still not sufficient if we cannot encourage women and people in general to 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 follow and be comfortable with getting that done. You know, in, um, um, in places outside the United States, there is still a big stigma about breast cancer for the same mm -hmm. reason. The women will not get a testing done and they wait till late and then they do need a bigger surgery. So that's that's still somewhere 
you know, set in mind of some women who have seen that, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago. And again, we have come long ways from that, doing way better in testing them, guiding them, encouraging them, um, and, you know, sharing with them that they're going to be fine. We're going to be here to take care of them. We have a team of people um, and uh, the oncologist guiding them step by step what is the right thing to do and give them the options to choose so they can make the right choices for them. Um, f- from, a, from a layman's person standpoint, trying to understand the advancements in the surgeries because the what, what we normally see are the pictures of the women with the, with the full mastectomies for either one breast or even both breasts with the scars. And that's the normal messaging we see. And this is coming, like I said, from a layman's person, not necessarily doing a lot of research into the surgery of breast cancer, but you're, you're talking about an advancement. So just make sure I'm understanding the, the full mastectomies don't have to happen. They have different, they have different, surgeries that they can go in and remove the cancers without removing the breast? That's absolutely right. So, you know, like I said, you know, back in the olden days, mastectomy was the only way. But now with this, uh, the mammogram MRIs, we can pinpoint the location of the tumor and majority of the women are able to avoid a full mastectomy. Actually, only a small percentage of women still required to have a full mastectomy and surgeons will sit down and talk with them. There might be a little bit of disfigurement. There might be a little bit uh, of course, the scar tissue, there is mm-hmm. done, but for most women, it's cosmetically a very trivial, um, not very noticeable. I would say um, three quarters of the women are able to spare a big surgery like a mastectomy, and they do what we call as lumpectomy, which is like you said, taking the tumor out and a little bit margins around it, sometimes called breast conservation treatment. So you preserving the breast and the anatomy and the structure of it and just taking the lump out um, with a very fine precision. The, the radiologist who finds the tumor and does the biopsy will often leave a little metal clip. So that helps the surgeon when they're operating identify where the tumor is located. And then they just can remove sometimes as small thing, you know, um, a golf ball size um, or something even smaller size uh, surgery is done. Okay, that that's <laughs> that's great. And because I'm, I'm, I know the advancements in technology just overall that are happening, and we we are somewhat aware of. Well, we've 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 learned that. I guess the diversity in the surgeries that are used, but not necessarily the the in-depth information regarding the mastectomies and now with the lumpectomies because I've I've heard people talk about lumpectomies but didn't necessarily know exactly what they were talking about and I was just trying to use context cues so I knew okay a lump they're taking out a lump but with the specific pinpointing up and then leaving the tag that's that's a that's brilliant advancement so it makes it a lot easier and so are you so would you be a part of the of uh, the persons who will be leaving the tag for the surgeons? Yes, that's that's the that's the radiologist, that's the doctor who's who's okay. doing the mammogram and they do the biopsy. So to help the surgeon guide the treatment, they leave that they leave that little metal clip in and it can it, it's very easily visible. So even after 
a diagnosis of breast cancer, sometimes I cannot even tell those women even had a surgery because the lumpectomy is so trivial. Sometimes it's side of the breast, under the breast. And I have to ask them, I said, okay, so have you had your surgery? And they said, yes. I said, well, I, I can't even tell. I cannot even tell. It's like so amazing. It's done and it's it's outpatient procedures sometimes done as quick as an hour, hour and a half. You know, some women go home the same day. There is no overnight stay. You know, they drive themselves for the surgery. They they sometimes drive back, you know, uh, on their own. So it is it's really amazing how how they can remove the tumor, how they can pinpoint a tumor that you cannot feel with your hand. Right. But you know, based on the pictures, they are so accurate that where the clip is, you know exactly what they're doing. So the surgeons, you know, have, of course, a, um, a big role to play in that. And we have several uh, very good breast cancer surgeons in Tallahassee now. And some, you know, do breast surgeries, you know, two, three times a week, you know, four or five breast cancers. That's all they do um, all day long is breast cancer surgeries. And and there is still some women who may need a bigger surgery. Not everybody, again, has a small tumor, and we still miss cancers. You know, that happens. But for most of the women, they can feel good that they may not require a big surgery. They may not need all that reconstruction and having a lopsided chest and, you know, having to wear prosthesis all their lives. Okay. And, right. and Advances are just as much in radiation treatments, used to be a lot more brutal, lasted for a long period of time. Now there are shorter durations of radiation. The women come and, you know, 30 minutes of a laying on a table where a radiation treatment can pinpoint where the tumor was present. So their machines can identify where the cancer was removed from and do some radiation around it. So that's the purpose of radiation what the eye and the mammogram might miss could still be radiated with treatments that just burn a little bit around that area and with very minimal, you know, long-term side effects um, of doing that and to ensure that the breast cancer is absolutely almost 99% gone. Right. That's good. And then the, the medicines that, you know, we use are, a lot of times we use medicines for breast cancer prevention. So some women who get a small breast cancer, there are medicines to prevent a future breast cancer. So like I said, just because a woman had one cancer does not mean she may not get another one or there is a chance of cancer coming back. You know, that's what makes cancers cancers. You know, one of the one of the things cancers are notorious to do is to come back sometimes six months later, sometimes three, four years later. So we keep a very close watch on those women. You know, we we do more often testing on them and we keep a check on them. Um, and sometimes we can put them on a medicine, a pill that can reduce the chance of getting a future breast cancer. So they know they're they're being watched carefully. You know, they're being overseen by a team of doctors regularly, at least for the first five to 10 years and uh, give them confidence that it's not like we remove the cancer and say, OK, bye bye, you know. We'll see you again if you have a problem. We're like, right. we'll watch on you. We're going to see you regularly. You know, there is a question. They have a they have a team to come back to. You know, to report to us. And the women do get educated. You know, we we underestimate the you know the awareness what it does. It, it, they they get educated about it and like, okay, I knew what I need to watch for, what I need to do. You know, I cannot take this lightly. I have to take it seriously. Right. Okay. So. Yes. I, 
you know, um, it's, it's, it's October month and um, usually I would be running around in some place doing some painting for breast cancer or running somewhere or, or putting your tux on and going to a gala to raise the money. We have been very limited in what we have been able to do, but that doesn't mean breast cancer has stopped. You know, exactly. You know, there has been some concerns that uh, for a few months, mammograms were literally put on hold last year um, all over the country because of the fear of COVID. A lot of times mm-hmm. Going to get their mammogram done. They were postponing it. So we did see a surge of breast cancer uh, later part of last year after the mammograms were not done. Sometimes I think two or three months almost, they were, you know, very 20, 30% of them were being done. Some were being postponed by patients themselves, but they were worried. And, you know, I have to share with them that the breast cancer numbers have not gone down because of a COVID infection happening, you know. There are protocols in place. Now we are very well aware of how we can prevent women catching COVID infection. They get their testing done before they come for their surgery. So we're, you know, all hospitals, including Tallahassee Memorial Hospital, is making sure we have all the proper precautions in place. So, you know, the last year, again, we were all as doctors learning about this, this pandemic. And uh-huh. Everybody was worried that a risk of getting a COVID infection was more than the risk of breast cancers. And as we got more knowledge of, about it, we were like, okay, that's not stopping the breast cancers from happening. That's not, we think they're not exactly. happening because they're not getting tested. And, and now everything, you know, is, is better controlled and majority of the people are getting vaccinated. You know, people are back to doing their their routine mammograms. I'm not missing it. and. Um, you know, there was there was a little bit of a fear last year about what could happen by not treating some women or diagnosing them with you know breast cancer um, when the pandemic was in the full full blown and um, women were scared to go anywhere for anything. So you know, I give kudos to my my infection disease doctors and COVID experts who have really made us all confident into getting back and treating what we. Otherwise, they're treating, you know, car accidents don't stop, you know, exactly that happens, you know. Um, yes, the car accident probably did get less in number when nobody was driving around, right? Uh-huh. But uh, they're not gone. They're not gone from from here. And um, uh, we have to keep our the women have to keep their 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 yearly screening their their month when they get their mammogram. They cannot let that pass because of anything else, you know, you're exactly. not able to do a whole lot more, right? So you have to be there and to catch things soon. They may not need a whole lot of treatment and some of them are done within two or three months and then that's it. You know, they, they're back to their usual self. So, so have you, have you noticed any, any of your patients who have breast cancer, who may have caught COVID, that COVID may have exacerbated any of the symptoms or any of the um anything that will go go into harming the body of a person who has cancer if they if this person has breast cancer and covid how does that increase any of the the negative effects of it well in terms of its its negative effects you know as we know covid infection affects the body in many different ways for uh, many people it's just uh, lungs and the respiratory system that gets affected and their body's immunity may get weakened uh-huh. any other infection so we don't think there is any harm in the cancer treatment we don't think that makes the cancers any more aggressive or vicious because of covid infection 
uh, but women who are undergoing more aggressive treatments for breast cancer, like chemotherapy, um, they were certainly more vulnerable to have a more serious form of COVID infection. And we we encourage all of them, you know, again to get vaccinated. We we pushed back their treatments a week or two so they could get their COVID vaccination. But we did not see uh, any any harm to their body any more than the the rest of the population, uh, except for the women who were undergoing some aggressive chemotherapies might already be susceptible to any infection. They, if they catch COVID, certainly it was a bit of a challenge to treat, but um, knock on the wood, thank goodness, you know, we did not see outcomes really change. They just needed more closer monitoring. We just had to warn them more and more, be extra safe, be more cautious and encourage them even more to get their vaccinations done. Um, so they, so they're not going to be exposed to COVID or catching a serious form of COVID. Uh, okay. Cool. Yeah, because it it was. I know that that's one of the questions that I've wanted to ask, but I forgot to ask in previous podcasts. But I'm glad you bring it up here, and that we could cover it because of of the state that we are now. But as you stated, all of the other things that could affect the person's body negatively, like cancer or any other diseases or anything, they're not stopping. Um, it didn't slow down because of COVID. And we, even in our field in HIV, we noticed that people really didn't pay attention to HIV anymore. Everything was COVID, COVID, COVID. But a person who has breast cancer is very susceptible and their body is weak at a weakened state. So if that person does contract COVID, it could have very, very, very negative effects. But um, but I'm also thinking about the advancements in the technology and the medicines. And you talk because you talked about different medicines that are given to some of the patients. So are some of these medicines chemotherapy or similar to chemotherapy? So yeah, definitely chemotherapy is one of the tools that we used for more advanced breast cancers or breast cancer that uh, turned out to be more aggressive than we thought. But there's also um, a new class of medicines out there that's called targeted therapy. So to, for instance, about a, almost, I want to say, yeah, 20 years ago, they found a very unique protein present on some breast cancers called HER2, HER as like HER and HIS, H-E. Uh -huh. So they found about 15, 20% of breast cancers have that protein. And those women were found to have more aggressive cancer. But very quickly, with you know all the scientists getting together, they found a medicine called Herceptin that particularly specifically targets breast cancers that have that protein. So I mean, that was you know as an oncologist, that's like, whoa, this is like amazing. Found a protein that some women's breast cancer has, and very quickly they were able to find a medicine that specifically targets that protein that can be given with other medicines or without other medicines and really negate the bad effect of that particular protein. Similarly, a lot of women's breast cancer is estrogen positive, the female hormone estrogen. So there is, we have a, a full box of anti-estrogen pills that we can give those women. So chemotherapy is something what we call as a more generic treatment that attacks cancer cells that are dividing and growing. It doesn't particularly 
pick one cancer cell over another versus these targeted medicines like Herceptin specifically targets only those cancers that express that protein. Similarly, the anti-estrogen medicine only targets the cancer cells that express estrogen. So we test all cancers for these unique proteins, for estrogen, for progesterone, for the HER2. And if we find their cancers express that, we, we kind of really pinpoint our, our, our treatment on that particular you know, type of breast cancer. So chemotherapy is like one amongst five, 10 different treatments that uh, you know, we have in the tools in our box to treat breast cancer. And there's a targeted therapy and there is advancements in immunotherapy that's been uh-huh. on for a lot of other cancers. Um, it's sort of a little bit um, still in nascent phase, still in the research phase for breast cancer, but there have been some studies showing the women who have failed one treatment or second treatment and their cancer keeps growing or coming back. There are immunotherapies that can sometimes attack that cancers. Right. So, I mean, we have, like like I said, you know, we have so many different treatments that even a woman whose breast cancer has spread to other parts of the body, that does happen one in a 20, one in a 30 times. It's already spread to organs outside the breast, like bones or lungs. But we tell those women that that cancer is eventually going to take her life. We may not be able to cure it because it's not in the breast alone. But with these variety of medicines that we have, we can keep them feeling okay and alive sometimes as long as five or 10 years, you know, for what they call as a stage four breast cancer, stage four Uh terminal and fatal. So I tell my patients, terminal does not necessarily mean next month, six months, one year. Terminal means eventually this will be how our life will end, but we could push it back by several years by employing and using all these different armamentarium of medicines and keep it in control for as long as we can. Okay. So, so with that being said, if somebody is diagnosed at the terminal stage and they're taking the medicines, will a healthy lifestyle also help prolong their life in conjunction with taking the medicines? Well, there's a, there's a balance in this, you know, the, some treatments are harder than others. So uh-huh. sometimes they may have a bit of a, difficult time for first two to three months and then when once we shrink those tumors then we can put them on something like maintenance treatment they they can perform most of their activities of their daily living and continue to go on you know have a reasonable lifestyle any cancer treatment will affect their health and their life to some degree so mm-hmm. i tell them that you may not be able to do everything 100 percent that you were doing but hopefully 80 to 90 percent you should be able to continue to do what you're doing while you do these treatments for several years. And there's a balance of quantity of life and quality of life, you know? So that's a discussion, you know, each woman with the type of breast cancer and her oncologist sits down and, and comes up with a treatment plan. We're going to do this treatment for these many months, see how the cancer responds and change it to a, a easier treatment that you can take on for a long, long, lot longer period of time. Okay, okay. Matias, you had a question? Because I know we got to mute my mic so you can ask your question. Want to make sure. So, all right. So now this, because it's 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 all it's all fascinating to me. Um, I love learning about the the different treatments, and I love learning about the different medicines and the the advancements of it, and how everything goes in. Because 
we've been taught so little about breast cancer. We've been taught so little about cancer as a whole. So I'm I'm so excited to hear reiterated over and over throughout these interviews that cancer doesn't have to be feared the way it used to be in the past, especially breast cancer. It is. It doesn't have to be feared. There are different ways to treat breast cancer. There are different ways to remove the breast cancer. And even if somebody says you have a terminal diagnosis, you can live. You can still live. That's amazing. But that's a that's a testament and to 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 the work that you've done and the other doctors within your field, other uh, surgeons, other just all the doctors who come together because. Well, what we're learning from all of these interviews is when it comes to treating breast cancer, a team is put together, a total team. And you mentioned earlier, even social workers are brought in to be able to add that extra element of helping the client be able to access the services that they would need. But so was this this team that's put together, is this something that has been created within the last 10 years or last five years, or has this always been a part of the process of treating or removing breast cancers? Well, well, the concept of having a team is definitely new, you know, because a lot of times uh, back in the days, the surgeons will say, okay, I have removed this tumor. Now you go see the next doctor. And then the woman is like, okay, who do I see? What do I do? Like, you know, there, there is definitely this navigation services have come into play in the last decade or so of helping the women navigate our complex medical system. I myself cannot understand all the nuances that come, what the insurance is, you know, where they work, how young are the children. I don't always remember to ask them that. I'm focused on telling them about treatment. So this navigation team, they are helpful. They said, well, she has a five-year-old who's going to pre-K. And we have to put that into the equation too. You know, she cannot come on for our treatment on a Tuesday. She picks up her children that day. So this navigation team, you know, is definitely a relatively new concept. But you know, we had our cancer center have implemented mm-hmm. that all in years ever since uh, we've been doing that here at TMH. And um, the, there is a team of navigation services, you know, there includes uh, a cancer navigator specifically for breast cancer that stays in touch with that woman, like what's going on. And she helps, uh, we have a breast clinic in which we have a surgeon, a radiation doctor, an oncologist, uh, the, the doctors who read the mammogram and the doctors who read the biopsy, they all sit together and discuss each and every case as much as we can and come up with a plan that everybody can agree on. And then we go to the patient where our navigator, um, social worker will go to the patient and say, hey, these are the doctors who were there in this room. This is what they discussed. And we're gonna, you don't need this or you need that. We're going to connect you with each one of them. And then we stay in touch with them, you know, periodically over the years. Right. So they know, you know, they're being given guidance. You know, we don't say, well, you can do whatever you want. You know, they're way old school medicine was, well, this is what you need. Then there mm-hmm. was uh, wherever you want. Now it's like a balance. Okay, this is what we recommend. Now what do you choose between this? So women are given more more power and more control over what they want. And they know that this team is there. Um, you know, so it's, it's implemented at most cancer centers around the country to have a breast cancer team, including the navigation, social worker, dietary services, even you know, what to eat, what not to eat during the time, you know, before and after surgery. 
So it's a relatively new concept for cancer treatment, um, so to speak. But, you know, if you look at like the iPhone cycles, you know, like the iPhone 12 is old. It's just a year old. Mm, right. Old, right. So 10 years to, to me is, is still been there. You know, most most of the doctors and, and um, like neighborhood medical center and places like that, they're aware that there is a there is a team, there is a breast clinic, there is a breast cancer team available. You know, we want to get the word out that that there is a team, there is a collaboration of doctors and ancillary services with the social worker case managers to help guide those women. Okay. What question what questions would you recommend patients as doctors to make sure that they are actually treated for breast cancer and they're given the best treatment as possible and the doctor may not just um, dismiss it but the doctor can actually take it serious and move forward on it. Well, one good thing, you know, I tell women um, before I send them to another doctor or a different doctor is to make sure that they they go through a list of questions and write it down. You know, okay. Thing, you cannot possibly remember every single question when you're sitting face to face to the doctor. So it's 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 important to know the stage of the cancer. So that helps them uh, understand what are my chances. You know, it's it's a good question to ask. What stage am I? The other good question I ask them to ask. So what are the treatment options? What could I choose between? You know, do I need surgery? What kind of surgery? Do I need radiation? Yes or no? For how long? Do I need chemotherapy? for this cancer or will I need chemotherapy? Well, is there a pill available? Is there a medicine that's, and then some real world question is, you know, is there a cheaper alternative? You know, so it's uh -huh. a question great to ask, but it's a, I sometimes I don't know everybody's full financial background. So it's an important question. Then women do not need to be afraid. There are medicines that might be a little bit different cost to them each month. You know, or what, what do, what kind of diet do I need to do? Do I need to tell my family members, you know, about this cancer? And um, it's 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 a tough question to ask, but it's it's a good question to ask. Like, what is the chances I'm going to be alive five years, ten years from today? You know, right. seriousness of this cancer. Sometimes cancer, you hear, okay, this is it. So it it is a tough question, but a very important. You know, and even the women don't ask. I try to bring it up. Like, these are the chances based on you know what we're seeing and how likely that you're going to be alive and doing well. So asking these questions, you know, writing them down on a piece of paper is uh, the women who come a little bit more prepared, obviously, you know, can understand better. If a question comes on later to the mind, you know, feel free to call them up again. And if they're not sure what they want to do, it's okay to meet with their doctor one more time. Say, I want to understand. I want you to really explain to me different kinds of surgery, different kinds of radiation, different kinds of medicines. What do I need and why do I need this? You know, their, their compliance to medicine is better when they understand the purpose of it. You know, there right. are people that are out there, they take a medicine and I have family members. I said, why do you take this pill? They said, I don't know. Doctor told me right. to take it. I said, well, is it helping? I don't know. And you know, so they may or may not take it. They're like, well, I don't know if it's working. I'm not going to take it. And I'm telling my mom, mom, like, well, your vitamin D might be low. That's why he gave it to you. She's like, well, he didn't tell me that. And, you know, things can get missed. So the, the, the patient may not feel the seriousness of taking that medicine or, you know, doing this certain treatment if they're not aware and educated enough about it. Like, why and why are we doing this? Correct. Correct. Okay. And, and, I, and I thank you for that because 
we're we're big on making sure that our patients can advocate for themselves or have proper advocacy for themselves um, because we want to make sure people are as healthy as possible, but they understand that you can take full control of your medical journey. And if you if you feel like you're not getting the best care possible, then you can go around and make sure you get the best care possible. Um, Dr. Jan, I want to I definitely want to thank you. This was a great conversation. This was um, great information that you've given us and a great culmination to our series of podcasts going over breast cancer, um, getting it from different perspectives and especially this this perspective from the oncology hematology perspective. Um, I definitely want to thank you. So um, once again, can you uh, reiterate different places here in the Big Bend area, in the Tallahassee area, where people can go for breast cancer treatment or even just screenings or learning about breast cancer? Um, I mean, um, I'm not familiar with all the different places, to be uh -huh. honest, you know, that we have at the Tallahassee Memorial um, Healthcare or the Cancer Center, uh, then the main hospital, Tallahassee Memorial Hospital. But uh, this is something uh, the the primary providers for the for you know healthy women uh, gotcha. guide them to different resources, how to get education about it, and how to know about it. Um, they're welcome to call at our, um, we have a hotline at the cancer center. They're welcome to call to just ask about like, okay, I feel this lump. What do I do? Or where do I get a mammogram done? Um, you know, there is a radiology places. So there, there's different facilities that do that. I think, you know, it's, it's easier to start with, uh, with their primary provider, with their neighborhood clinic or their family doctor to know which is the easiest and most convenient way for them to get the mammogram. Okay. And, and Matias, how can people through neighborhood access um, mammograms or any other breast cancer screenings? Well, here in neighborhood, we would have to have them see our primary care physicians and they'll be able to put a referral in for them to get a mammogram. Well, they can either do the mammogram here with Neighborhood Medical Center. Um, we can get it set up with Take Care X-ray or we can refer them out to different places like radiology, um, CRMC, TMH, and different places around town that do mammograms. And our case managers can work with people who don't have insurance in order for us to get those mammograms and things covered through um, different programs. I think one of them is through, with TMH. I appreciate that, Matias. And so, for all of our viewers, all of our listeners, everybody who's going to encounter this podcast, to learn more about Dr. Jan and, and to, to be able to contact him, you can go, and I've learned this, tmh.org. That's where you can learn all the information about uh, Dr. Jan and various doctors who work within the breast, the realm of breast cancer or fighting cancer, period. And we want to give a, a, a grand thank you to Tallahassee Memorial Healthcare, um, Morgan, um, everybody who's helped to put these podcasts together and we have more coming we have more coming so this is not the end but we did want to make sure we focus on breast cancer and we have more things coming because um, we want to make sure we utilize our platform to get the information out so thank you again for tuning in to another episode of healthy happy hour for the month of october as we cover breast cancer awareness and breast cancer prevention um dr amit jan definitely a gem in our city, um, great information, 
and make sure you guys check out this episode um share it to as many people as possible um subscribe to the youtube channel just tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to make sure that they're taking their health as serious as possible getting their screenings getting their checkups so we can make sure we live as long as possible so with that being said we'll see you guys next month on healthy happy hour i'm joseph ward he's matthias sweet thank you again to dr jan we'll see you all later my honor